Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Tennessee Ministry Network Influencers Podcast. Most of you that are watching know exactly who this is sitting beside me, 99.9% of you. But for that 0.01% that just randomly stumbled across this podcast or this YouTube channel, I am with our network superintendent, Pastor Terry Bailey, and you are responsible for overseeing roughly 210 churches, 600, 700 credentialed ministers, right? Yes, sir. So my guess is that equals a lot of phone calls, texts, and emails a day. Well, it's kind of like herding wild cats. Oh. It's like every day is a high-speed washing machine. <laughs> my Lord. Do you throw the cat in the washing machine? Sometimes. <laughs> I, do. I try not to be thrown in there myself. <laughs> right. So I, I would really be interested in knowing, uh, combined, how many phone calls, texts, and emails you get in a day. Now, I don't, I don't mean the emails where like a prince from Tanzania, you know, asks for for you to wire them money, but but legitimate emails, texts, phone calls uh, in I a would, day. I would say probably uh, an average day be about twenty five. Wow, and you are really prompt at responding. Well, I'm not as good right now as I have been in times past. <laughs> well, but. I feel special then because you <laughs> respond to me quickly. Well, you're at the top of my, you're one of the top of my list. I mean, if you reach out to me, I'm getting back with you. I'm blushing. <laughs> <laughs> well, we today are going to have some fun conversation and then we'll trend toward a little more serious conversation as we yes, go. Sir. I have a few questions for you. Uh, I think at times because uh, people see you from afar and even though you are unbelievably gifted relationally, people still at times have perceptions of us or ideas of us and uh, i'd like to just give people a chance to get to know you a little better uh on a different level sure so so first question what is your favorite animal well you know i've been thinking about that i i would probably say a little puppy dog would be my favorite animal we had dogs when i was growing up and yeah We'd get attached to them, then they'd get run over by a semi-truck. My gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. Yeah. You know, they didn't last too long at our house because we live close to Highway. And, yeah. You know, Ripley, believe it or not. Right. You know? Highway 51. <laughs> yeah, Highway 51. My, and there's a lot of semi-trucks that flow that direction. Yes, sir. So a, a dog, a puppy dog's your favorite animal. Yes. So it's not very exotic. Well, Susan's been wanting a, another puppy dog, uh-huh. and, and I've been resisting because... What would happen is that um, uh, the last dog we had, we didn't train it well to not pee and poop in the house. Oh, and my. so when we would leave for a Sunday service, we'd come back and had to do a lot of cleanup. Oh, Lord. Well, and you, and you just don't want the heartache of another one getting run over. Too. Yeah, yeah. And when our daughter Rachel was growing up, she had a uh, she loved cats. And so when I would go on a missions trip, I'd come home and there'd be a new animal at the oh, house, geez. you know? Yeah. And but was it's rough when cats get ground up inside the engine of the of oh your my car. lord, <laughs> Peta is going to be contacting yeah. us. Well, I'm just going to let everybody know I hate cats. I think they are vile animals, and for all of the cat lovers out there, oh well. Yeah, well, Susan has an allergy to cats, so that's helped Same. us. But she's wanting another puppy dog, and eventually I'm going to uh, give in and let that happen. But we've got to learn how to to train this dog. So right. You know, they have training schools for that sort of thing. 
Okay, we'll probably get it done because I'm sure that's on Susan's list, so that's going to happen. <laughs> All right, so here here is another question, uh, and I'm I'm intrigued with this. Do you know what TikTok is, and how would you define it or describe it? Well, I've been uh, my daughter is on TikTok. Okay, and so she's been kind of introducing me to TikTok, uh -huh. and, and I and you know TikTok is now getting more viewership than YouTube. Yeah. So there's a real shift to TikTok. So I'm gonna I'm gonna learn TikTok and I'm gonna I'm gonna be a part of that. Now now I've gotta say that. You know, most of the TikTok and our listeners on podcasts won't be able to see, but YouTube your most of the TikTok is like they do music and they're doing little dance moves. Are we gonna see you TikTok and, and such? Hey, whatever we gotta do, we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna make it happen. You'll be all things to all people <laughs> to win right. a few, right? <laughs> TikTok legend. Now you are known as an ice cream connoisseur yes, we sir. all everybody who knows you knows that uh i i think if anyone can speak accurately on this it's you so what is the best ice cream period my favorite ice cream is briars ice cream. briars briars yeah now bluebell is awesome uh and also uh, i like um oh what is the name of that ice cream? i bought some last night purity purity I bought purity last night and had that's that. local yeah, that's local. Yeah. So Briars. That's a little surprising. Yeah, well Briars is is just top of the line and plus it's uh produced right in West Tennessee. Well there it is. Right, right there, there, right between Ripley and Covington on Supp Highway fifty one. Oh, supporting home <laughs> hometown. Uh, I'm a hometown boy. I listened to Ripley football the other day. Really? Yeah, live. That is awesome. Well, you yeah. certainly love the state. Yes. And uh, we'll talk a little more about that in a minute, but I'm a little hung up on the ice cream. What's your favorite flavor? Oh, chocolate. Chocolate. I'm a vanilla guy, and that's why I like Bluebell the best, because their homemade vanilla is ridiculous. Well, you know, what I like about, uh, I love vanilla if you have Hershey's chocolate you syrup know. on it, but what happens is it spikes my sugar at over 300, so oh, yeah? I, I have to be careful with that. I don't need to go on a binge. Is there more sugar in vanilla than chocolate? I think it's the Hershey's chocolate. That's syrup. probably what it does. Yeah, <laughs> it's that it's that extra topping. Yeah, but everybody needs a good bowl of ice cream. It's good comfort food, and it just just brings everything down to a yeah. common denominator. So road tripping, where where do you like to stop and get ice cream? Oh, Jeremy, there's only one place. Okay, Chick Fil A. Chick Fil A, and I Chick Fil A. They've I, got the best. Their their ice cream is more like homemade ice cream than anywhere else. It's so good. Everything Chick-fil-A does is impeccable. It's amazing. It's amazing. I, I figured that's what you would say. It, it definitely has outstanding ice cream. In the vein of eating, another question. Uh, what is the most bizarre thing you've ever eaten? Well, probably uh, crocodile would be one that okay when we were in africa one time uh, we had crocodile tastes like an old rotten nasty shrimp <laughs> <laughs> a rotten shrimp yeah it was nasty well you know they eat like alligator tail you, know, you go to restaurants yep. in the south and you can get alligator but it wasn't like that huh? well i've had alligator a few times yeah yeah ostrich was my favorite food over in africa okay yeah and That's i and i really liked uh zebra because you had the white meat and dark meat right next to each other it was oh, really it's pretty neat <laughs> that was my gosh that was that was that was pretty good uh, yeah you walked right into that I one mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh man 
That is the ultimate dad joke right there. Yeah. That might be a papa joke. It's a papa joke, yes. <laughs> I don't think, I'm, I'm sure you ate chitlins growing up. Because when you're from the South, that's, that's like our bizarre food. Well, you know, I've never had chitlins. Really? My grandmother made possum one time, but I just oh. re- I refused to eat that. You couldn't do it. I just couldn't. So now we we eat raccoon quite a bit. Yeah, whenever I grew we up were growing that. up, and rabbit and squirrel and all sorts of things like no that. chitlins, no chitlins. I I ate it w- once or twice at my mama's house when I didn't really realize what it was. You know, they're like, yeah. "We're having chitlins," and I'm like, "What is it? Well, it's fried something." <laughs> well, we grew up on you know bologna. Bony sandwiches, yes, and uh, salmon patties, and oh, yeah. uh, potted meat, and Viena sausages. Viena, and now and, those are good. Yes, and that's the kind of stuff that's West Tennessee. Yes, so all of our West Tennessee listeners and watchers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it's it is Viena sausages. It, that's how you pronounce it. I don't care what it says on the little can. It, people tell me it's Vienna. They're wrong. They're wrong completely mm-hmm. and totally. Well, we're going to get to to the more serious stuff, but I do have a couple more questions because you're also a movie buff. And one of your favorite pastimes is to go to the movies and relax, maybe take a nap. <laughs> we, well, you, you know, I went to a movie not too long ago, and movie is my diversion. Yeah. And and so I went to this movie, and I was the only one in the whole theater. Oh my, that at, good a movie at that. Yeah, it was really a big time movie. I mean, so I don't usually care. I really don't care what's playing because I get a big bucket of popcorn, eat that, and I take a nap. And and wasn't too long ago I was at this theater, and this guy woke me up and said, "Hey, the movie's over. <laughs> the next group's coming in." Yeah. Well, well, in that vein. Do you have an all-time favorite movie? And if so, what is it? Oh, that's a great question. Uh, probably, uh, I'll go back to my college days uh, when, at Southeastern when Brian's song came out. It okay. was the story of uh, Gail Sayers and Brian Piccolo. Yeah. It was a sports movie. So and that I was an awesome movie. I, I read the screenplay. I never. I don't think I ever saw the movie, but I remember reading the screenplay that was in the form of a book. For those that don't know, that's a little little older. Mm-hmm. That's that's remained your favorite through all those years. It it was the most impactful. Yeah, uh, I've always loved Indiana Jones. Yeah, movies and and uh, Rocky movies. I remember we were going through a series of dogs back during that time, and <laughs> we had a dog named Rocky. And yeah. Michael was all tore up because Rocky got run over it. <laughs> by a reindeer. And I said, hey, look, we're going to get another dog. We're going to call him Rocky 2. I think we got up to Rocky 5. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you said Indiana Jones. So which of the Indiana Jones movies is your favorite? The very first one. Oh, yeah. the uh, Which one is it? I'm blanking. Well, I am too. Uh, but it was Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. It was amazing. And Raiders the Raiders of, Lost, of the Lost Ark. Yes, Thank you, Kate, in yes. the back. Our, our production manager <laughs> yeah. back here had to feed us. Yeah, yeah. Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh, yeah, and that, that had, like, the glory of God killing people in it. Oh, that was amazing. It was. It was <laughs> I'm just glad they found the Ark of the Covenant. I know. We know where it is now. Now we know it's stashed in Area 51. <laughs> yeah. So what's your favorite Rocky movie, do you remember? Rocky movie would probably be the one in which, that he beat the Russian. Yeah, I can't remember what number it was, but I was so I don't bad to beat them Russians. <laughs> My goodness, when the, when the Nazis get destroyed by the glory of God, and when the Russian gets beat, so yes. you're yes. very American. <laughs> oh, in your to tastes. the T. 
You're very American. You know, you you referenced um, Brian's song being from your college years and Mm -hmm. that sticking with you through all of this time, uh, which makes me think about um, our younger selves uh, and uh, looking back. and, And I'm always intrigued at what I learn at the conclusion of a season, like who I was when I started a season versus who I am at the end of it. Uh, and and so in that vein, uh, roughly 10 years ago, you became the district or network superintendent? Yes, sir. Okay. So today, if you could go back and talk to Terry Bailey 10 years ago as he was being elected at net, as network superintendent, what would you tell yourself then? Grow up, boy. <laughs> <laughs> now, how old were you when you were elected? Oh, let's see. Um, Whatever you are now, minus 10. Yeah, 57. <laughs> All right. So, 57. And you would have said 50, grow up? Maybe 56. You yeah. just said grow up? Yeah. Yeah, I've had fun my whole life. <laughs> <laughs> so, what else would you say, though, on a, on a little more of a serious note? Because you, obviously, when you entered that, there's a, there's a general idea of what the superintendent role entails, and then there's the reality you've lived in for 10 years. Well, you know, uh, J.R. Good was our former superintendent. I loved J.R., admired him, respected him, and honored him. Uh, I've always done that with every superintendent. Uh, to me, Gene Jackson was larger than life, and, yeah. and I got to know him personally. Uh, as a presbyter and just as being a pastor in the Middle Tennessee area, I got to know him personally and and love the Jackson family. And then Pastor Eddie Turner, a great man of God, and and then J.R. Gould. And so uh, I, I would say that even though I worked down the hall from J.R., I had no idea. And I was the assistant soup after yeah. Randy Carter stepped aside. Um, I had no idea what my superintendent really was going through. And yeah. I don't, it's just like when you look down the hall of a pastor or somebody right. like, you think, man, if I was in that position, this is what I do. And yeah. And, and I decided up front, I'm going to be me. I'm uh-huh. going to be Terry. And because I'm not going to try to be Eddie, I'm not going to try to be JR or Gene. I'm, I'm just going to be Terry, be the man that God created me to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do you, have you felt that pressure through the 10 years uh, to be someone else or um, from maybe from the outside or inside at times? Like, like I, I don't know. I, I guess that's the best way to ask it. Does that, is that a real pressure at times to, to be like someone else or to do things in ways that aren't necessarily in your nature or character? Well, I think back a lot of times about David when he was going to take on Goliath and, mm-hmm. You know, they try, you know, Saul tried to hear, put this on, do yeah. this. And David had, he had to go to where his strengths were. So I've had to remind myself several times when I'm in the thick of a, of a difficult situation is don't wear anybody else's armor. Yeah. And, and, and I've always believed that as we pray and seek the Lord, that the Holy Spirit gives us the wisdom that we need for that particular moment. Yeah. And so... And if I start thinking, well, what would Eddie do or what wow. would JR have done or Gene or something like that, I, I I have to come back and say, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Lord, yeah. what what is what is your wisdom? What's your discernment at this particular juncture? Right, because the Lord raised you 
and established you in this role because he wanted you in the role. And I certainly hope whoever superintended after me in years to come that he's certainly not anything like me. Oh, whatever. <laughs> we all uh, would do well to be much more people oriented. Uh, and that's, I've said on, on the record and off that you're one of the most gifted relationally that I've ever met. Uh, and just observationally, because I am in that office down the hall and, and um, at one point, uh, for a brief window in time for about three years, we planted a church and I was the senior pastor. And those three years awakened me to the fact that uh, I didn't really have a clue as a staff pastor what the lead person was bearing. Um, and I, 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 I think I get that now as in I don't know what you've experienced. Observationally, you're leading leaders. Uh, you're leading people that are used to being in charge. Uh, you're leading people that have strong ideas about how things should be done and need to be done. Uh, and I would imagine that's a tension of trying to honor and respect, but being true to who you are and and your gifting uh, and then all the information you have that none of us have. Well, it is a challenge because we have an incredible executive board in the Tennessee Ministry Network. We Right. And also our presbyters that serve throughout the state, each one of them were men of God that I, I admire them, I respect them. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they give me their ideas and their opinions, yeah. I, I really try to listen to what they have to say. And, right. And from their perspective to try to put myself in their world and why they're saying that and giving me that particular idea. Yeah. At the end of the day, the buck stops with me and I've got to make a decision. And Yeah. Sometimes uh, it's a different decision than what has been recommended to me. Yeah, but I I think Mm -hmm. in part because you are so diligent relationally, you've said it to me before, I I never allow the lines of communication to be cut off. You know, you try to always at least keep a connection point with somebody that even in those moments when there's uh, not a consensus on the decision, you relationally navigate it to the point where the relationship's still there, that there is still a connection. And you don't have to answer that or say anything to that unless you want to. I just am saying observationally again, um, you seem really good at handling that tension. Well, to me, the relationship with that minister and that person that I'm working with at that particular juncture, their relationship is more important even than what we're dealing with at that particular moment. Yeah. Because... At the end of the day, I still want them to be a part of the ministry network. I still want to be connected with that person and help them right. with whatever they may be working through in their church and ministry at that particular time. Because to, to me, relationship trumps. Yes, and you've definitely lived by that creed uh, through the nine years that I've been working with you. Um, in In this vein... Uh, and, and this may not be the most comfortable question to ask or, or to answer, but but maybe share uh, what's been the most challenging part of the role for 10 years. Well, it, it's the superintendent's responsibility to, uh, as far as when it comes to discipline and investigations, the most difficult thing and the thing that keeps me awake at night. There are two things that keep me awake at night. One are the discipline issues. Whenever we're navigating through a situation with a minister 
Yeah. You're dealing not with a minister, but you're dealing with their family. You're yeah. dealing with the church. You're dealing with everything in that person's life. And and to me, even then, the relationship trumps. Yeah. But at the same time, I'm having to dig and I'm having to uh, check into us an accusation or something yeah. that's going on, and um, that's that keeps me awake at night. Matter of fact, I. Um, We've gone through a season in which there's been more than one investigation going on at a time, and and that's been a challenge. So it's been brutal. Oh yeah, it's been it's been really brutal. And the second thing is when when what keeps me awake at night is when I uh, when I see how many communities in Tennessee that do not have a healthy AG church. Yeah, and even in some communities where we have an AG church and the church is not very healthy. It, we need to have a healthy AG church in every community Absolutely. in the state of Tennessee. Yeah. That's our passion on the national level, on the worldwide level, but here in Tennessee, that's the that's the thing that keeps me awake at night. Uh, when I think about communities, I drive through communities, go through places where there's not a healthy AG church. And and I want to drop a pin in that in one of our future podcasts. I think our whole focus needs to be on on the need for healthy churches across the network, across the state of Tennessee, and some of the strategy that's taking place now and ways that we can start working toward that. But we'll do that in another time. We got plenty of these. Well, I got it. I tell you, our network is at a really special place because the last 10 years, we've been paying off debt of other loans, of other church plants, of other situations that may not have turned out the way we had hoped it to turn out. I've never been a person to try to cast blame at anybody or anything like that. Right. Because I feel like whatever's handed to us, let's say if we were pastoring, we took a church to pastor, we assume the debt. Mm-hmm. We assume whatever's happened in the past. That becomes a part of the DNA. That's that's what's happening. Right. So you work from that that place. So I've never cast blame at anyone, but there were some situations in times past that ended up costing our network big time. At the same time, God has been faithful. Yes, go ahead the and tell The Lord has helped us in the last 10 years to bring that debt where right now we're at a place, if if our giving and everything holds up, we're going to be totally debt-free by the end of 2021. Come on. I, I don't know yes. if you heard that watching listening. It might be news to you, but debt-free as a network by the end of 2021 if everything plays out just right if not 2022 will be the year absolutely that we'll be able to knock it out and that again i will hit church planning in a later episode yes. and that's but, when we're going to talk about strategies yes because we've not really been able to have a really good strategy for church multiplication in tennessee but get ready get ready get Come ready <laughs> well and every pastor can identify yes. with i've got dreams in my heart but there are financial constraints and here we are as a network uh, we're now able uh, to put strategy to dreams going forward so just uh, a couple more questions uh, and then we'll bring this to a conclusion what's the most enjoyable part of the job by the way i i you talked about what kept you up at night and uh and uh, tennessee football probably keeps both of us up at night but we're not going to talk about that the, we're recording this the weekend after the vols lost to pit uh three turnovers 130 yards and penalties i don't know when you'll be listening to this hopefully 
we we haven't lost multiple games in a row. I just want everybody to know, watch out, Gators. Watch out, Alabama. We're coming for you. It might take another 10 years, <laughs> but I'm going to tell you, we're coming back. I want you to live to see it, Pastor Terry. I'm going to live to see it. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to live to see it. And you and I are going to be in Neyland Stadium together celebrating. Oh, if, if they ever get to like the college football playoffs again, I'm going. If whatever. We're, we're I mean, if I got to sell some blood, whatever I got to do yeah, to get I'll there. sell my house and get there. <laughs> <laughs> so, so anyway, uh, real quick, the most enjoyable part of the job over 10 years. I love connecting with pastors and ministers. It doesn't matter whether they're a pastor of a larger church or if they pastor a church of 12 people. Yeah. Every church, every minister is important to the ministry network, and I thoroughly enjoy connecting uh, with them, with who, whatever ministry it is. So it's safe to say you're an extrovert. Well, I, I'm sanguine. My temperament's okay. a sanguine, and, and uh, I've got it phlegmatic. I have enough in me that, that keeps me keeps my feet on the ground okay yeah so um yeah that's interesting well we'll finish with just a series of questions one or two sentences uh we're in the last quarter Mm -hmm. of the year um and those that are watching and listening it's an eclectic blend across our network age-wise gender um, position and so wanted to just ask a few questions that would maybe speak to um, different segments. Uh, and obviously, I'm in the role as, as one of your staff members. Uh, if we were in a local church, you'd be our senior pastor, lead pastor. I'd be the youth pastor. I'm the youth guy uh, and kids guy. I'd be, I'd be that staff pastor wearing a few different hats. Yeah. So anyway, uh, so just a, a few questions, a sentence or two. Um, what would you say to pastors about their staff pastors right now? If one or two sentences... I believe it's very important that, that every pastor makes it very intentional to build a, a good, strong, healthy relationship with whoever you have working on staff with you because uh, uh, relationships matter. Yeah. And and you're raised, as pastors, you're raising up the next generation. Yeah. And uh, it, the importance of being a spiritual father of of pouring yourself into that staff person, believing in them, yeah, is so critical. I, just an aside on that, as a staff person, um, Michelle and I appreciate how much kindness and love and generosity you've shown to our children. Uh, and so, for for lead pastors out there with staff, uh, if you can if you can be a papa to their kids. Oh, what a difference it makes in that relationship. Yes, it does. Your kids are amazing. Well, thank you. Kings and Neely, they're amazing. I'm partial, for yes. sure. Okay, so again, in the same vein, uh, one sentence you would say to staff pastors about their senior or lead pastor. I believe communication. Pastors be intentional that you communicate, but also staff uh, members uh, be very intentional that you communicate regularly with your pastor with what's happening in your ministry and in your life. Yeah. I think I think another pin drop, it would be great to do a whole episode just on the staff relationship, lead person dynamic, and maybe we could talk from our sure. own relationship and how we work. Because you've alluded to that earlier. When you're in a staff role, you don't know what 
what the pastor is enduring, uh, what they're experiencing. Uh, and so I, I think that would be another good, I'm just throwing out basically reminders on this podcast of yes. things that we'll want to hit in the future. Uh, and again, this is something we want to do monthly, uh, for those that mm-hmm. are listening, uh, yes. be sure to subscribe. Uh, we'll talk more about that at the end. Um, few more of these one sentence deals or two sentence or three uh, what's one thing you would say to a chi alpha missionary right now i would say the greatest mission field that we have in tennessee are the college and university yes. campuses across the state of tennessee the um there's such a great need uh, if you're if you're pastor if if you have a young person in your youth group ministry that's going to go to a college campus, direct them to Chi Alpha. And, and so our Chi Alphas are uh, UT Knoxville, yes. UT Chattanooga, mm-hmm. Tennessee Tech, mm-hmm. uh, University of Memphis, and my missing one. Austin P. Austin P. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, Jonathan Miller. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we're... <coughs> We're working toward one with MTSU. I believe right. that that's in the works. So if you've got a kid going to any of those, uh, if you got a student that's going to Lee, then let us know because we have a couple of churches in the area. We have uh, a new church plant in Cleveland. Yes, we do. Uh, that that wants to connect with AG kids in their local church. A couple more, and then I'll finish it up. Uh, what's one sentence or two sentences you'd say to a uh, pastor or minister over 55 right now pour into the next generation we're all passing the torch come on we're all going to we're only none of us are here permanently we're all going to pass the torch past the baton yeah and yeah i, I want to reference something i one of the first football games i ever went to in my life was in ripley played jackson Okay. In 1965, at the Big Ten Championship, that's back before we had playoffs and all this yeah, yeah. In, in high school ball, and so we went we went to that football game on Thanksgiving Day in 1965, and Ripley beat Jackson Northside three to nothing. It My was a gosh. defensive struggle. Yeah. And this past Friday night, I know this is this is going to air maybe a little another few weeks down the road, but um, I listened to Ripley play the same team. Oh wow. And Ripley got beat twenty-eight to twelve or twenty-eight to thirteen this past Friday night, and and it made me think of how time is passing for all of us. Wow! And so what I would say for any pastor that's fifty-five plus is, don't just hang on, uh-huh. but begin to release yourself and impart yourself and pour yourself out into the generation that's coming behind us. They're going to do it greater and better. They're going to far exceed anything what we've been able to accomplish. But we're we're laying we've laid a foundation. Now, once you get fifty five plus, start pouring yourself into others. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So one more, and and in that same thought, mm-hmm. what's one or two sentences you would say to a young leader under thirty right now? I would say honor and respect. Okay, honor and respect those that are in the th- third and fourth quarter of their life. Wow. Honor and respect them and listen to what they have to say because you may have better ideas and your ideas may be wonderful, 
but listen because they have a level of wisdom and discernment and understanding that you just don't have yeah. in the first two quarters of your life. Absolutely. You know, you get in a third and fourth quarter. Listen to those people that are still running the ball in the third and fourth quarter. Listen to those that are still out there in the game. Right. Because I'm tell you something, they can teach you a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I think a lot of times when you're in your 20s and you hear something like that, if you're not careful, you'll – you'll bristle or build up a little bit of a wall. But I would just offer this. There's not a 45-year-old out there that would say, man, I was so much smarter when I was 25 than I am when I'm 45. (laughs) And and the same will be true of you too. As a 25-year-old, 28-year-old, you get 10, 20 years down the road, and you're going to look back at this present version of yourself and say, I know a lot more now than I did then. And if you could keep that in mind when dealing with those that are of an older generation, I, I think it would help you tremendously. Well, I, when I was a young youth pastor in my early 20s and into my 30s, I, I always wondered, why don't you parents take better care of your kids? I mean, you know, and then I started having teenagers. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so your perspective changed as you right. shift through the seasons of life. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, we thank you for joining us today on the Tennessee Ministry Network Influencers Podcast. This yes. is our Network Superintendent's Special Edition You can follow us on our YouTube channel. You can find this on iTunes and other podcast formats. You can uh, follow me at Jeremy Austell on Instagram or Twitter. Uh, Do you know your Twitter handle? I have no idea. You you just use it. I'm basically a follower on Twitter, and I'm looking for what the latest sports beat about Tennessee volunteers. Twitter is your sports page. (laughs) That's right. That's right. So you can find – That's because you trained me how to do that. I did. I did. I showed you who to follow. (laughs) So, But you can find Pastor Terry on Facebook and follow him. I'm on Twitter too, but I can't tell you what my – I have no idea. I I, I could look it up, but – but we'll just we'll just refrain. But I'm gonna get a TikTok. TikTok. Yeah, TikTok you gotta tell TikTok. me when you get the TikTok. <laughs> I, I will be I will be sharing your TikToks. So be sure to subscribe to the podcast as well as the YouTube channel so that you'll receive notifications when our new episodes come up. Once again, thank you for joining us. We appreciate your ears. We'll see you soon or hear you soon. We'll see you.